0: City Church. All right. Well, that last song. Awesome. I don't know about you guys, but we're free. Amen. That is a beautiful promise that we live in every day. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, For those of you who have been here before, maybe haven't been here for a couple of weeks. uh, My name is Jake. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, Pastor Mitch, who is the head pastor, um, he's out of town celebrating his 10 year wedding anniversary. I believe it's 10 years. So he's out of the country. Um, If you came expecting him and not hearing from Jesus, I apologize. Um, And now would be the time if you want to go, I'll turn around for two minutes and you can go if you need to. And I promise I'll never judge you for it. Promise. Jesus will, but I won't. All right. Ben's leaving. Later, Ben. So anyways, it's um, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk to you all today. Um, I feel like Jesus definitely gave a message that's for everyone in here Um, Just a little background on me. I'm from Ohio. I moved down here about four years ago I met Mitch. I walked into his church and started volunteering at his youth group I was a youth pastor and helped uh, relocate a church in Ohio Um, So we met started talking a little bit and uh, he told me he wanted to start a church And uh, i'm substantially older than Mitch. I know you can't tell just by appearance alone um But if you met our kids, my kids and his kids, you'd know. Um, I have grown children. Um, So, but anyways, he started talking about how he wanted to start a church one day. And, um, you know, I so humbly told him why I didn't move my family a thousand miles to volunteer at your youth group. So um, we started talking, and a couple years later, here we are, Um, which is a beautiful thing. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause for that. So last week, um, his father came down from Connecticut and shared a word about justification by faith. Um, The fact and the peace and the freedom that we live in, that when God looks down because of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, he sees us free from our sin. Amen? Amen. Um, So today, I wanted to follow up on that message a little bit. I was going to preach out of uh, the Old Testament and a whole different route, but I thought leading into the cards that you all have sitting on your seat there, the the book of Acts that Mitch is going to preach out of, I thought this was a perfect segue. A little mini two-part series with Pastor Tim and myself, um, which I'm honored to follow up. Pastor Tim, he's an awesome man of God. And any of you that were here last week, I'm sure you just, you know, left full of the Spirit because he really knows how to bring it. Um, I might not yell and get as loud as him, although uh, typically I'm a pretty loud guy, but I don't think I'm as loud as him. I mean, when he's talking nicely, he kind of scares me a little bit, so... um But anyways, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about working from salvation, not for salvation. uh, That we're saved by grace, right? So he talked about justification through faith, but that faith has to go to something for it to work, right? So we know in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not a result of works... ...so that no one may boast. So what is grace? What does grace mean? The definition of grace is the free, unmerited grace of God. It's His favor. It's a gift, right? Grace is the most valuable gift that you'll ever receive. A couple of unique things about this gift. It can't be purchased, okay? Who in here has ever received a gift that wasn't purchased by someone? That's a felony, Carl. That's called receiving stolen property. (laughs) Kenny, get him out of here. Somebody had to buy that gift for you. (laughs) Carl, I love you. You know that. So (laughs) this gift can't be purchased, right? Um, Here's a good example. Um, Has anyone ever done something so nice for you where they didn't have any reason to do it? There was nothing uh, compelling them or anything that no purpose for them having to do this for you, but somebody just came along and did something so kind for you, and you're like, wow, that's, I really needed that at that moment. Who's had that experience before? That's grace. That's how grace is. It's a beautiful gift, Carl, that nobody has to, buy to give to you. Um, the gift can't be stolen. No matter how badly somebody else wants your grace, they can't come and take it from you. Okay? It's yours. It was given to you. Now, the beautiful thing is it's for everybody. Okay? So, nobody has to steal it. They have their own. Okay? And it can't be earned. There is no amount of work, and I say this boldly so that you can hear it. There is no amount of work that you can do to earn this. All right? That is a countercultural statement. Amen? At least for my age. Uh, maybe not Ben's or, or some of you younger folks in here, but um, like I said, I'm from Ohio, from the Midwest. The guys that were making the money, Ben, I'm just picking on you because I love you, man. The guys that were making the money were the guys working the hardest. That's just how it was when I was growing up. You know, you, you were lined up for jobs working on a street crew, 70, 80 hours a week. Those were the good-paying jobs. You worked your butt off to earn a good living. Um, I owned a very small trucking company for a long time. I was a, a self-employed steel hauler. Um, I was local because my dad was an over-the-road driver, and I didn't want to be that. I never wanted to miss anything for my kids, and I never really have. I mean, I've been at every small thing. Um, even some choir concerts that Maya didn't even want me to come to. I was there. Um, I didn't want to miss anything. So I would leave my house at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd get home at like 5, 6, seven o'clock sometimes at night um, because I hauled local. So I would haul three or four loads a day where I was working, like chaining, tarping, filthy black when I got home, and I'd be falling asleep eating dinner, you know, and literally like eat and hit the couch or the bed and, and do it again the next day. And one day we sat down and figured out how much I was actually making an hour, <laughs> and it was like six or seven bucks an hour. But the, um, the sheer amount of hard work that I put into it equaled a pretty decent paycheck, especially at that season or that time in my life. So grace can't be earned. It was given to you. Um, so question for you, what does faith have to do with it? What does faith have to do with it? When you receive that gracious gift from somebody, did you have faith that, that somebody was going to give you that gracious gift? When when you went to work that day, did you have faith that they were still going to give you a job? No, you knew that they were, right? You knew that somebody was giving you that gift, right? You just accepted it, and you knew that it happened. So that's what separates believers from non-believers. You see, with grace, the way that I explained it, and, and a little bit more background, I taught at a juvenile detention center for about eight years in Ohio, um, and the way that I explain grace, because it was so hard for a lot of these kids to understand, okay? Um, simply because they were never shown any in their life, right? We have this, um, this problem in our country where we look at a baby, and, and those of you who know me, I'm a huge baby. I love babies. Um, people talk about, like, what's your hot button thing? I love babies. Like, I run over and grab people's babies, and most of them love me. Some of them can't stand even being in the same room as me. So I just go to the ones that love me, you know, because that's kind of how we do things as humans. But anyway, so I taught at this juvenile detention center for years, and I tried to explain grace. The best way that I could explain grace to faith, right? Grace is like a free car. Faith is like the key. Okay? If somebody gives you a car without that key, you can't turn it on, right? So you've been given grace. You've been given this amazing gift. But without faith, you can't turn it on. You can't activate it. You have to have faith to activate that grace. So faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. What are a few things that we have faith in on a daily basis? Okay, we have faith in certain things every single day. One of them, for most of you who work in here, is your alarm clock. Amen? Does, does anybody in here just have the internal clock that wakes them up in the morning? A couple of you do. I'm starting to get that as I get older, and I do not like it. Because <laughs> here's the issue with my internal clock. It's always five minutes early. <laughs> I'm like, why did I wake up at five till... When my clock is telling me I have five more minutes before I have to wake up, I don't like that. But our alarm clock, we trust, we have faith that our alarm clock is going to wake us up in the morning, right? We have faith in that. Our paycheck, we trust that it's going to be in our bank, right? We trust that we're going to get that paycheck. You don't even really worry about it, right? You're going to work, you trust you're going to get that paycheck. Furniture, when you came in here and sat down, did any of you really contemplate whether or not that chair was actually a chair? Anyone? No, right? We have faith in things like that, all right? Now, I'll, I'll admit, I like the beach. Does anybody else like the beach in here? Okay, just so you know, you guys might want to write this down. I didn't get my note cards done, but most beach furniture is limited to 225 pounds, okay? I'm just telling you that. Don't ask me why I know that. It definitely doesn't have to do with me sitting on a beach chair in a store and it breaking. It has nothing to do with that at all, okay? I just looked. That's why. So, lights, right? Lights are another one. Who walks into a dark room and goes over a light switch and has any doubt that that light's going to turn on, right? You have faith in that. See, there's, there's very small, simple things that we have faith in every single day. People tell you, well, I have, I have a problem. I have a trust issue, right? I have uh, trust problems. What's trust equate to? Faith, right? So most people don't have trust problems. They have people problems, okay? So it's not that they're lacking trust or faith in certain things. It's that they're lacking trust or faith in God, okay? Um, So some of you might be thinking to yourself right now, but, but Pastor Jake, I only put faith in my alarm clock going off because I set it, right? That's why I put faith in that, because I did that. I set that clock right or i only put faith in my paycheck because i know that i worked for it so i have faith that i'm going to get that paycheck because i know that i did this or i know that the lights will turn on because i paid that electric bill right i changed the bulb when it went out i know because i took care of that right that's working okay we put faith in these things because we know that we put faith in what we put faith in ourselves most of us don't have a problem putting faith in ourselves okay A lot of us have problems putting faith in God. We really struggle with letting go and letting God, right? That's a real difficult thing for a lot of us sitting in here today. So, with that being said, none of us go to our alarm clock and go like this and just stare at it and go, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I know you're going to go off at 6 o'clock, right? Who does Does anybody do that in here? No, nobody does that in here. What about on Friday when it's payday? Does anybody just sit and like pull up their bank app or just sit outside of the bank and go, I know there's going to be money in here. I know there's going to be money in here. Does anybody do that? Does anybody sit there Monday through Friday and just stare at their checkbook and go, when? When are you going to appear? Right? We don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because that wouldn't be working. Right? When the light bulb goes out, do you just not go in that room ever again? Maya, don't answer that. Sometimes it takes me a while to get to light bulbs. Just that's a little thing with me. So um not <laughs> ever ask me to change a light bulb for you. It might take a week or so to get to it. Um, but we have faith in that because we put work into those things, right? We took our time. We put work into it. We know that it's going to be there. So so what am I saying? Am I saying that you have to work for salvation? Is that maybe some of you are asking? But, But Pastor Jake, you just said a little bit ago, it's grace, right? You just said there's no amount of work that we can do to earn it, right? So that's not what I'm saying. Jesus already did the work, amen? He said it is finished, correct? In Ephesians 2, chapter, or Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, it says it's not a result of works, right? It's not a result of works. Romans 10, verse 9, Bethany's going to put it on the board. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, okay? You'll be saved. So if you declare with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, and if you have faith, congratulations, you'll be saved. That's what the Bible tells you, right? But with knowing that, why wouldn't you want to work? Why wouldn't you want to do something, right? Does that make sense? We're supposed to be not working for our salvation, but working from our salvation, amen? It's a beautiful thing. You see, God, Jesus, worked for us. It wasn't free for him. It's free for us. It cost him everything. It cost him his son. Take a look around this room. Take, go back. Look at all these babies that come out of here when we're done. They just come pouring out. One of you parents, imagine taking your son and sending him to die. Imagine that. You can't. It's a hard thing to imagine, right? You have to work from salvation, not for salvation. I want to read to you out of James chapter 2. And I want to tell you what he says about that. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So is, is James contradicting what Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians? No, because in James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, and this isn't going to be on the board... James writes, every good gift and every perfect gift... What's a good and perfect gift? It's grace, right? It's good. It's perfect. It's from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see, it's a, it's a perfect gift coming from God. He's not contradicting. What he's boldly saying is that there's two kinds of faith. There's a living faith and there's a dead faith. Okay? Okay? I can tell you all day long that I'm a millionaire, right? Can I tell you that? But if I roll up in a Tesla and I get out and I have a $20,000 watch on and I have $3,000 shoes on, you're going to kind of assume that, correct? So let me tell you a little quote from one of the, one of the greatest atheists out there today. It's Penn Gillette, right, from Penn and Teller. And what he says, the reason that he's an atheist is because Christians are running around with the keys to the to eternity. They know the truth to eternity, and they're not telling people about it. That causes him to be an atheist. That's why he doesn't believe. He says, I can see you standing there on the railroad tracks, and I can see a train coming that's about to run you over, and you can look and say, I don't see a train, right? But at some point, I'm going to run and push you out of the way. That's how he puts it. That at some point, He knows what's coming for you, and he's going to come and save you whether you want it or not. So, if we are claiming to be Christians, but nobody sees Christ through you, how real is your faith? How alive is your faith? I can run and tell people I'm a Christian all day long, and then if you see me sitting at the bar and you see me sleeping with all kinds of women and cheating on my wife or getting in fights or doing all these things, are you going to believe I'm a Christian? No, people can say whatever they want to say about who they are. That's not what makes them who they are. It's what they do that makes them who they are. And you can see that in people. John MacArthur puts it like this. James is not disputing the importance of faith. Rather, he is opposing the notion that saving faith can be a mere intellectual experience or exercise, void of a commitment to active obedience. So let me ask you, is your faith a mere intellectual exercise? Is it something that you sit here and listen to and then go about your life? Is your faith living? God calls us to so much more than that. The Great Commission, right? The Great Invitation. He calls us to bear fruit. How will they know who we are? By the fruit that we bear. Let me me try to explain it like this. Has anyone ever changed careers? I just told you that I I switched from, no, I didn't tell you. I'm no longer a truck driver. I do marketing now for a law firm. Right? (laughs) That's God. I mean, I could just drop the mic and walk out now. But um, has anyone ever changed careers in here? Show of hands. Any teachers in here? Yeah. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine you're a teacher, all right, and you decide, I'm sick of this. I'm going to go into sales. You quit, <laughs> you quit teaching and you start selling, right? Are you going to go into a prospective buyer and give them a math test? <laughs> I mean, would you do that? Well, let me ask you something. When you go in, how many salesmen are in the room? A couple. People are like, I'm, I don't really want to put my hand up because salesmen get a bad rap sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, I know who you guys are that didn't put your hands up. But if you go into a sale, right, and you have somebody that you're about to close, and they know, you have them on the hook, right? And then you're like, you know what, you've got to pass this test first. got to see how good you are at history, right? And you give them a history test. And they fail and you walk out of the sale, right? Would anybody do that in their right mind? No, nobody would do that. Why? Why would no one do that? It's a change. You've made a change in your life. You went from being over here as a teacher to being over here as a salesman, right? When we make a commitment to Christ in our life, you go from being over here as a non-believer and caring about yourself first to coming over here as a believer and sacrificing everything for everyone else and putting yourself last. Amen? A lot of cold, scared faces right now. Who's living like that in here? Who's living like that in here? Who's ready to go and lay down on a cross for somebody that you just met? Or that you never met? You see, you you switch jobs, but you always have your prior experiences to go back to, right? You switch careers, but you remember where you came from. But what do you do with that? You separate the bad and the good, right? You take the good and you stick it over here and you take those life experiences and you use it for ministry, amen? You use it so that you can meet a certain demographic or a certain group of people that you might be able to teach them and come alongside them and love them and care for them. And if God's blessed you with much, share much, right? Take the blessings that he's given you and go work, okay? We're going to get into some scripture here in one minute, but I just wanted to give you For you math teachers in here, a little equation. If you take Romans 10 and 9, and you add it to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it equals James 2, 14 through 18. Right? Absolutely it does. Not, Not mathematically, okay? But think about it. If you profess with your mouth, right, that you have faith in God, and then you know that you've been given grace by faith. Don't you want to go and work? Amen, you do. Absolutely you do. You should. And let me tell you this boldly. If for some reason you don't, you need to come up here and hit your knees, or you need to go home and hit your knees. You need to come talk to a pastor or an elder, and you need to figure out why. You need to figure out why. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. The things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I fought like a child. Now I'm a man. I act like a man. I put the childish ways behind. Right? Before you were saved, how did you act? Now that you claim to have faith in Christ, how do you act? There should be a clear difference. You shouldn't have to walk up and tell somebody, I believe in Jesus. They should know. They should know. I want to give you guys three ways to make sure that your faith is alive. All right? And if you have a pen and paper, I apologize. I didn't get the note cards done. I'm not used to it. Normally we have... Um, Uh, an alexander woman here taking care of everything and Unfortunately, they're not here today. So I dropped the ball on that. I apologize If you don't have paper get some from your neighbor If you can't get some from your neighbor write it on your hand or something this this could be good stuff for you. Okay So number one prayer Do you pray? Or let me ask you this how much time in prayer are you spending? Is your only prayer coming on sunday? Do you talk to God? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says it like this. Pray without ceasing. That's all. There's nothing else coming up there. Pray without ceasing. I think that's pretty clear, right? We should be in constant communication with our Father, with our Lord and Savior. Have you ever been in the mall or out at a store or wherever? Put yourself wherever, and you see a little one? And mommy and daddy got out of sight. Have you ever seen that? Who's been there? I've been there. And they're like, right? Like totally panicked for like a split second. And mom's right here grabbing something off a shelf. But they don't know what mom looks like from the back. They know what she looks like from the front. And they're losing their mind, right? For that split second. Do you feel like that if you haven't talked to God for a little while? Number two, study. Study. Are you in God's Word? Are you in God's Word? Is the only time you're in God's Word when somebody sends you a, a scripture picture from the UVersion Bible app? Is that the only time you're in God's Word? Why I I was in the Bible today. Maya sent me a scripture verse. <laughs> I'm not knocking that. Let me tell you something. If that's the only word of God you get every day, then you need to go on and find my daughter on the Version Bible app because she will send you several of them every single day. All right? So then you can get in the word multiple times. But is that the only time that you're in the word? Is the only time your Bible hits your lap and opens when you're in church? Is that the only time? Psalms one nineteen eleven 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who has that word saved in them? Who knows it? You know, we went to, to student life camp last year and um, there was a pastor there. Um, what was his name? Why can't I think of his name? David Platt. Thank you. David Platt stood and recited the whole book of Romans from memory. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Honest, I'm not not exaggerating or joking at all. He stood on stage and just recited the whole thing. It was awesome. There were literally thousands of teenagers bum-rushing the stage like they were at a concert. Just like, yeah! Yelling and putting their hands, some on the ground crying. It was an amazing thing. It was an amazing thing. How do you think Jonah meditated on God's word? You think he had a Bible in his pocket when he was in the belly of the fish? No, he had it here and in here. He knew it. He knew the word. How did he know it? You think he just looked at it on Sunday in church while Pastor Mitch was preaching and he had the whole thing memorized? He put time into it. He spent time with his Lord and Savior. He worked actively on his faith. Hebrews ten twenty five says, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you say, see the day drawing near. So listen, I'm not dogging on going to church on Sunday. Please come. You see all these empty seats? Why? Why are they empty? Is it because of the 50 people that you invited just didn't show up? <laughs> Probably not. Probably didn't invite anybody. Sorry if I'm lumping some of you in that did invite people. Why aren't we inviting anyone? I just as stumped as I am. Has no idea. Why aren't we sharing what God gave us? Why aren't we working? Is it because of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Because if that's why, you're missing what that means. The third one is work. Work. I'm, I thought somebody was driving through the building. There was a Jeep just nosed right up to our door. I'm sorry. I panicked for like a split second. Those of you who don't know, people like to drive into the wall over there. If you haven't seen it, we've been here for, how long have we been here? Two years? three cars have hit the building two years. That might be, I mean, we, four cars. We might be able to make the Guinness Book of World Records for that. We should call and try to get in. That might fill up the seats. I mean, if we're not going to invite people, maybe the Guinness Book of World Records will bring them in. Work. (laughs) Sorry if I offended anybody right there. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, What occupies your time? What are you working on? I'm going to read you a a nice chunk of Scripture. And this should cut you wide open. It should. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. I'm just going to read it out of here because I can't keep up with the screen. Old school. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46 says, When the Son of Man comes... From the foundation of the world. And Jesus says. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you welcomed me. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Notice they're all doing something. They're all doing something. Then the righteous will answer him saying. Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I was going to stop right there, because I wanted you guys to know what's in store right? But I wanted you to get the full story. I love how Mitch says, if you're going to deny Jesus, I want you to deny the real Jesus, the whole Jesus. I don't want to give you half the story. So let's keep reading. Verse 41 says, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. As you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Sounds like Jesus wants us to serve as people. Sounds like Jesus wants us to serve his people. Do you agree with that, church? We are richly blessed in this country. We complain, we whine, we want, we envy, and we're blessed. There's some of us that own homes in here. It's an amazing thing. That's a beautiful blessing from God that you own a dwelling to live in. There are people in here that live on the streets. Every week. We have an amazing opportunity. Not because we have to. Our salvation doesn't depend on it. Jesus already did the work. But if you say you have faith and you're not working, what is that saying about you? What kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you have? I'm going to ask the band to come up. Actually, just uh, just Ben and Kevin are going to come up, and they're going to share a song. In John thirteen thirty four and 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus' love is an action, church. It's an action. He acted out his love. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He came down here and he died for us. Amen. He died for us, for me, for you, for the rich, for the poor, for the healthy, for the hurt. Every single one of us he died for. But what can I do? What can I do? Jesus said that we could do great things in his absence, right? Jesus fed the multitude. Amen. Did he do that? Can we do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's families sitting in this church right now that could literally take on a whole other family and still have an amazing retirement. Did Jesus bring the dead back to life? Can we do that? You bet we can. Look out these doors. We always want to look over on this side of the church, right? We always want to look over here and say, I want to go help over there. What about over here? What about in the fancy restaurants? Or the, the, the brand new uh, uh, breweries Or the, the coffee shops There's dead people walking around everywhere Outside of this building That need brought back to life And God wants every single one of them They're going to share this song And you guys can stay seated Alright But what I want to do is I want to invite you To prayer While they're singing this song I want to invite you To renewing your commitment To serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Do you want to be a hearer of the word Or do you want to be a doer of the word Do you want to sit and suck it all in And then go home and sit in your house Or do you want to get filled up and go run And get emptied out What do you want to do today I invite you Whether you were saved today, a week ago, or you've been a Christian your whole life. I invite you to renew your commitment right now while they're singing this song. Think about it. Think about this week. Was it all about you? Did you serve anyone this week? Or did you serve your retirement fund? Did you serve your belly with... Amazing meals that you threw half away Well, there's people starving to death What'd you do? While they're playing this song If you want to renew that commitment today Stand up where you are if you want to Kneel down where you are Turn to your neighbor your husband wife Brother sister friend total stranger and pray with them But they're gonna sing this song, and then we're gonna we're gonna continue so.